Hello, my name is Rich Ryan, bringing you a fresh installment of the Reinforced Running Podcast. Today, our guest is Faye Morgan. And Faye Morgan is a Spartan pro athlete with a wide range of experience and skills. She has top 10 finishes in the U.S. National Series, and you can catch her on pretty much any podium in SoCal. So she has a big background in ball sports, basketball in particular. She also has gymnastics in her background and has practiced and coached CrossFit for a long time. So she has a, a big, diverse training background. And so we talk about how she's able to take all of her experience and continue to train at a high level while raising a family as well. So we talk about ways you can use your gymnastics to help your OCR and some things that you should be able to practice in your training that will help for your OCR results. We also talk about what drives her to keep pushing at a top level while she enters her 40s. And we talk about how to develop grit as an athlete. So I loved chatting with Faye. I think we'll get some really good, strong takeaways from this. Uh, Before we get to it, uh, some real quick housekeeping. We're going to be shifting the release days of the shows. So Mondays will be the Reinforced Running Podcast, and that's where you'll find guests and occasionally an HHMC. And the Reinforced Running Podcast, you can always count on getting actionable information that will help you improve your training. And we'll talk to some of the top coaches and athletes in the sport on Thursdays, we will be bringing you Torque Talks, and the past two Tuesdays, we've had Torque Talks with Sean Stevens-Whale and Lacey Burgess, and that's where we're going to sit down with some of the best athletes in the sport who are part of the Obstacle Racing Collaboration and give you insight on how those athletes live and how they train and how they set goals and just a lot of cool information that will help you follow some of the athletes' stories as we move into 2021. So give those a listen. If you haven't, go ahead and, and listen to Lacey and Sean these past two weeks. Some really cool stuff, and they'll be really great athletes to follow along as we bring you Torque Talks on. Thursdays and Reinforced Running Podcast on Mondays. So if you like what we're doing here, just give us, take a minute, give us a five-star rating and review. We would really appreciate that. Okay, enough. Here is Faye Morgan. I'm really excited to dive into some of your training. It was really extensive background as an athlete, and you've since excelled at a high level with OCR and OCR stars is a great example of that. But why don't you just real quick, just kind of give the listeners an idea of, of who you are and kind of what you're up to as an athlete and as a coach. All right. Well, so background wise, like I mentioned, I have four sisters and a, a dad that was our coach, you know, new sports and then kind of pushed us through the high school level and onto college. So we always just like played sports. It just wasn't an option in our household. My mom was a really good runner. She did triathlons and marathons and she was a group exercise instructor. So like golden aerobics. So we kind of grew up in like a pretty nice gym or we were just like always doing stuff. So that transitioned to, you know, just doing like five Ks, 10 Ks with my mom on the road at a young age, like eight and nine years old. And then just always kind of had a love of running in that sense, but always played, you know, like the group, the, the team sports. And then, like I mentioned, I was a gymnast up until I was 14. So I ran my senior year of high school, turned out for the track team. I'd always played fast pitch softball leading up to that point and just decided, hey, let's switch it up a little bit. I knew I love running, so I wanted to see what track was all about. And only two females were on the distance side of the track team, and one of them being a young woman that ended up getting a full ride to Stanford on the Stanford, obviously, cross-country track team. So she really drew the runner out of me, I guess, trying to keep up with her, keep her in my sights. And that's when I knew, hey, I really, I love the sport. And it just kind of stuck at that point. So even though I went on to college and played basketball, I did turn out for the cross country team. And I realized, I think this is more where I was being pulled. And so once I joined the Marine Corps after college, they have a pretty unique setup with the sports teams. So anyone that goes on to play, or joins a military, either enlisted or on the officer side, they've got basketball teams, track, they've got wrestling, and you basically get to represent your country wearing the uniform and you compete against other branches of service from not just in the United States, but also all across the world. So we got to run a marathon in Kuwait, you know, in the UK. And, you know, it's just pretty cool to like wear United States Marine Corps and be able to run. It almost felt like we were professional athletes, even though, you know, it was far lower level than our actual professional athletes. So that was a pretty unique experience. And being able to just dive right into the competition side of things, that, that seems to be 
a thread, right? You've always been com- a competitive athlete of some, to some respect. And you mentioned before you were, your first love was gymnastics. And my only background with gymnastics is like during, like doing CrossFit and in CrossFit, yeah. the, the gymnastic moves are very basic, right? It's, right. but for CrossFit people, they're very hard. Like the ring muscle up, isn't that just called getting on the rings in gymnastics? It's like the easiest thing to do. It is. It's like yeah. the basic thing that they, they all learn. So, and it's yeah. like the gold standard of CrossFit where it's like, I'm just working real hard. My 2021 goal muscle up. And so, and like for that and to train for that, I haven't done too much of the, the gymnastic piece because OCR, I don't necessarily know how well that's going to translate. Like, so do you think there is value to learning gymnastics or to knowing gymnastics for OCR or like, how has it helped you or how does it help like the people around you? Do you think? So I think, yeah, that's a great question. I think the biggest piece of that would be, I mean, there's a little bit of a fear factor. I know in the Spartan race, the, the obstacles aren't crazy hard or scary, but there's a lot of people that have like a fear of heights or even grabbing onto the monkey bars and, you know, maybe doing the, the L hold uh, when it's super wet or icy you know, that background comes in huge. So just being able to just hold on. I mean, that's like, you know, 30 burpees in the pit is is a big deal on some of those races, especially the sprint. So if, you know, that's helped me out a ton, like last year at Castaic Lake, for example, just holding on to the, those muddy bars made a, a huge difference. And I really attribute that to just that upper body strength that, you know, not so much on the men's side, but women just, we're not born with it. And we got to work, we got to work for it. And so, you know, where you'd see maybe 80, 85% of the men getting through the monkey bars, there could be like 40 or 50% of the women getting through. So it's definitely good to have that background, but it's, it's not something that you, you can work towards it and you can, you can get it if you don't have it. So I think it helps out a ton. I mean, there's other obstacles like, you know, stairway to heaven, you get to the top and you're a little wobbly. I mean, you're going to get through that one regardless, but I've heard a lot of my friends talk about, well, they have a fear of heights in Natalie Miano, Casey, they have a fear of heights. And so huh. Just like, I don't even think about it. You know, you're just up there, you're down, you know, kind of a non-factor, but even things like the eight foot wall and like being able to spring off that and almost have like the Ninja warrior skill set. That's another big one too, because I mean, the men have the height, well, we got to kind of use our skills to get up and over that stuff. So definitely think like that acrobat background helps for that. I didn't even think about it in terms of just like a willingness to do it or just like practicing like trust in yourself so that you're not going to get hurt. Um, But it totally makes sense in in that respect. So when you're doing things like the monkey bars, do you, do you believe that practicing or the gymnastic background has helped with the technique or is it more on the strength side? I think it's a little bit of both. There's no fear factor for me. Like it's just like approaching, like I, I did so many competitions where you just salute to the judge and you walk up to the bar and you go like, there's no hesitation. I mean, it's, think about the dunk wall and how that's like a fear issue for a lot of people. Yeah. Seem like tiptoe and they're going to go and they don't go like the dunk wall. Like it's just like, Oh, I'm almost diving in, which I know you're not supposed to do, but like, (laughs) it's just like that, that, that moment of like hesitation is just, you got to throw that out the window, you know, when these races are as close as they are, Hmm. um, it can matter. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that it would, that it would translate to things beyond just, gymnastics and i see you do spend you do spend a lot of time on your hands right like you have that skill as well is that something that is it kind of the same thing because i don't necessarily know how well you know handstand walking or handstand push-ups might transfer to ocr or what what do you think do you think doing things like that a practice i think more the crossfit gymnastics in terms of like bar work and the pull-ups and the ring muscle-ups and the bar muscle-ups all that i think that definitely translates better but I think just like being upside down and that for me is just kind of like, I've been doing it since I was five. And so it's kind of bring, it's like my equilibrium and brings me to that happy place. So I don't know how well the, the handstand pushups translate. We don't really, we're not asked to go upside down often in our sport, but I think it does attribute to just being like an all around good athlete. Like, you know, that CrossFit touts just the whole mentality of like learn a new sport you know, get uncomfortable. And like these races, like you're uncomfortable, you know, we're not asked to get out there and like get upside down, but like, that's an uncomfortable place for a lot of people. So just adding that in and feeling that discomfort and then getting out on the race and just like letting it settle and like, okay, I'm good with this. I've been to these weird, you know, uncomfortable places. I can get through this, this beast or whatever. 
I like that. And and it is uncomfortable. It is like really, it's not, it's not natural. And I guess mm-hmm. I, when I was thinking about it, maybe you could, could be like, all right, we're crawling through barbed wire. Maybe shoulder strength and stability mm-hmm. would help if you're, if you want to stretch it. But I think it's better in terms of like, yeah, get uncomfortable and, and figure out, you know, where that line is and like, are you consistently comfortable or like, like, should you push yourself out of that? If I was to practice doing handstands, what, like, what's like, how should I go about getting better at them? Cause I, it's something I think about a lot. It's like, cause I'm really bad at them. I don't like it. And, and, just, and when I would practice, I would just kind of like do it and I would just like struggle through it. Right. So like, for you, like you're a great athlete. So I would say immediately bringing you to a wall and just like having you kick up. If that's a struggle that I would like guide you, hold you. And then just like, just like you would learning how to do a pull-up, like maybe doing the negatives and like fighting down or as the handstand push-up, I would have you just get up on the wall and hold, just feel like that feeling. And then kind of like playing with it. Like, okay, where are my feet? Like, where's that center of gravity? You know, can I kind of like come off the wall with one foot? It's just, it. it's something that you just have to kind of like play with and let your brain kind of feel that feeling. So that's a really good progression is just using the wall. Another one is actually using a box. So you're almost in like an L Mm. and you're just like half your body's in a handstand and the other half is in an L. And then at some point, just like slowly kicking up from the box. A lot of this is, should be guided by a coach, obviously, but there's so many great progressions. Uh, I follow someone who's, she was like the lead CrossFit gymnastics coach, uh, Pamela Gagnon. She was a gymnast at Rutgers and she's got such amazing progressions, even for like the toes to bar. I was kind of watching her because I mm. kind of stepped away from all when I, if I don't go to a CrossFit gym, which I don't anymore, I kind of don't have that push of like getting on the bar and doing toes to bar every day or knees to elbow or, you know, kipping pull-ups or chest to bars. But she's got some amazing like progressions to lead up to all that stuff. And, and one of them was, yeah, just progressing from the wall or progressing from a box for the handstands. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of taking it slow and, and kind of mentioned finding where that, how that feels. Do you even have to think about it anymore or do you know exactly where your balance point is? Yeah, I'm just up and it's just like, yeah, it's, it's just like, I mean, when you start it, when you're so young, it's just second nature and it's just kind of part of, you know, I don't know when you've been doing, and people look at me like, how do you do that? And it's kind of an unfair jumping off point for me to have started so young. And right. yeah, I, mean, I even see some videos of these little kids doing like Olympic lifting and they're, they have the perfect snatch and like these kids have been doing it since they were like four and five, you know, that has been a long yeah. time. You don't have to unlearn. No, <laughs> like for sure. That you've had. Memory for years and years. So yeah, but it's not something that you can't learn as an adult. I'd like, and I would encourage anyone to try and, Especially right now, we're home. Everyone has a wall, right? Everyone right. has maybe a, a box or whatever. So it's a good one. Yeah. Where would you kind of push people to start trying when, when in in terms of gymnastics and say just in the in tilt it towards something that could help their obstacle course racing performance? If 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 it's from the approach of this is going to help you be uncomfortable or it's going to help you be able to accept fear a little bit more, or it's just going to be something that's going to be better for like the actual task itself. Like what would be like the first gymnastics thing you'd have somebody work on? I think the, the key one would just be, and because it's functional fitness, but also it's like something you might need to do like in life, like just being able to hold your body weight, you know, so hanging from a bar, like Mm. where are you at with that and progressing from that, like letting go with one hand and maybe doing a shoulder tap on each side and moving on from that, like doing a half hold and then the slow negatives, like I mentioned before. So just being able to hold your body weight, you know, like, yeah, chances are we're not going to be hanging from a cliff or anything like, like we've seen in the movies, but like, you never know. And, but it's just such a great, you know, overall, not, not just the fear piece, like holding on and like not falling, but just working that upper body strength. And it's not, like I said, I think it's more of a challenge for women typically, cause we're not born with it, but yeah, anyone can work that. And plus that translates huge into our races, not just with monkey bars, but then now we have Twister and then, you know, all the different rig setups that they throw at us and then pulling up onto like, you know, muscling up over a wall or, you know, whatever it might be holding onto the Z wall, upper body strength is just huge for us. So 
Yeah, that makes total sense. And that's typically where a lot of people are going to want to go, right? It's like, all right, let me try to do some dead hangs and see how well my, my grip can be. But from, again, my limited experience of gymnastics, and it's all through CrossFit, like they sometimes teach that like hollow position, like the, sure. the, the body position of yeah. like hanging from a bar. So would you encourage someone to, could you explain what that is? And could you like, yeah. and would you encourage people to right from the jump, like when they start to do some hanging practice or kind of moving around, holding their body weight, would you encourage them to, to think about their body as well? Cause I think a lot of times people are just thinking about their hands, you know? Right. Yeah. So that's actually a really good question because you know, you get the haters online uh, with all the kipping pull-ups and it's not a real pull-up and you know, it's not designed to be a real pull-up. It's two different movements. Right. So it's, it's basically like an efficient way to be able to do it and pull up. So I always encourage my athletes to first learn how to do a strict pull-up. Okay. So then we're going to work into that hollow rock, hollow hold. So yeah, getting them on the ground and learning that, that boat position, hollow rock, and then translating that to the bar. So getting them on the bar and learning how to push out and then push back into the hollow rock. So it, it really, for me, I want to see someone be able to do a pull up first. You know, at times as a CrossFit coach, it got kind of scary when you had these women up there like kipping, 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 but they couldn't do one pull up. I know they're doing like 10 kipping pull-ups with like no strength. Yeah. So I, I, my thought process is, hey, you need to really be able to learn how to do that pull up first. And, and it's possible with the progressions. So yeah, I think at that point, then I would introduce the hollow, but that hollow rocks can be in anything. I mean, that's great for core strength. And if you have back pain, you know, getting rid of that. So yeah, I definitely would start with just the progression of doing a native pull up and then pushing into the full pull up. And then at some point incorporating that kip. Do you want them to be hollow while they're doing a pull up? Is that how you'd like to see it? Yeah. It's so not always more, it yeah. Right? So the more engaged, the shoulders have placed so much into it. You wouldn't think, but yeah, having almost thinking about pushing off and away from that bar and then coming up into the pull up. Mm. Yeah. Right. Where a lot of times it's like we're hanging dead and everything is pulled just from the upper body and like the whole, like from your hips down, like what you see are people either, you know, pumping their knees up or like kind of dangling there. Yeah. And it, it just seems less efficient. And when you do put yourself in that hollow position, it, it feels harder, but you feel like you're engaged more through like your lats and back. Yeah. At least that, that's how it feels for me anyway. Yeah. And that's, that's the key it, right there is engaging. And in fact, one obstacle that, that we run across where the engagement is, is critical is the herkoist. Like, mm. if doing all, like you have to engage those lats. I mean, yeah, now it's a big part of pulling down with your body weight too, but if you're not engaged, you're not doing it right and you're not going to get it. That's a great point because when people are doing the pull-ups without being engaged, it's mostly you know going to be a lot of bicep, a lot of arms, right? And if you're mm -hmm. trying to do that hercules late in a race, all arms and like, like yeah, again biceps and pulling it down, you're probably going to fail. Like your grip is going to go, but if you yeah. Yeah, get all engaged throughout your back and be able to use your whole body to pull it down, yeah, huh? Yeah, that's a good point. I like that. So yeah, I think the key is just to maximize the muscles that we have to use and not just like relying on the biceps or relying on the forearms. Like you got to engage that whole body and get into it. So yeah, the kip definitely comes in handy, not so much in our sport, but if you are doing straight CrossFit, for sure, you got to learn that kip and it leads to not just, you know, doing good pull-ups, but then getting into the chest bars and then doing the ring muscle-ups and then the knees to elbows and all, all those movements. So there is a place for it for sure. Yeah. And it's like body awareness, right? Like it's practicing moving through space and having everything connected and moving in, in different ways. So if there's any type of crossover into our sport, like maybe that's it. Like you're not going to be doing a standard kipping over anything. I, no. I tried to do that once or a couple, I, sometimes I try to do it with bender. bender. Yes. I'll like do it and like, I'll do like a big up and I'll kip and try to like skip up, but it's, it's slower. No, <laughs> it's that's not. actually a good point. And I, that's kind of my technique too. Like I'll definitely get my body into it like a true kip. So that, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I saw someone one time. It was Matt Kempson one time. It was a one of one of the tough mutter ones that were. It was like an inverted wall, and he just jumped up and did a, a muscle up straight over. And I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like, I guess that's one way to do it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, you've been in. You've been involved in CrossFit. I mean, all of the, the sports that you did growing, like gymnastics, moving into endurance sports and ball sports, and then kind of coming out of that, like CrossFit seems like a logical place to go. You know, outside of obstacle course racing, which eventually you, you did find. So when did you start doing CrossFit? So. We moved to Temecula in 2010. I was pregnant with my second Wyatt and my husband had been doing it in Oceanside where we were living at the time. 
And then we joined this gym that was co-located with a CrossFit gym. And I decided to just give it a try one time and he encouraged me to do so. And, and I loved it right away, just because I think of that gymnastics background. I was like, Oh, we get to go upside down and do hands. I can do those. And then, you know, being on a bar was super comfortable. So it was like a really good transition. And then, you know, the movements, but I wasn't good at everything. I, I was not good at Oli. I was not good at, you know, the snatch, the clean and jerk. That was still a challenge, but I loved like incorporating the running piece. So we would do like a mile for time at my gym. I was like, Oh, well, this is right at my alley. And then, you know, I'd stop dead in my tracks when I had to do a heavy snatch or the heavy clean and jerk. So it was like still super challenging. And I'd never experienced, like, I was so compartmentalized in my training before it was like only running or strength. Like it was always either or. And even when I was on the Marine Corps marathon team, it was like, we just ran. And I did strength just because I grew up doing it with my mom and you know, then we would start the, the push-ups, pull-ups, all the calisthenics piece of like being a Marine. And then the CrossFit world kind of put them together in a really unique way for me. So I did well. And the like I said, the, pro, the, the hard part for me was when I'd have to go heavy and I was yeah. just like crushed under the load. And that was similar to like my experience in the Marine Corps. Like I was a fit Marine, but you throw a pack on me and I was not worthless. I could get through it, but we had to carry the same weight as, as the, our male counterparts as we should. And, you know, definitely slowed me down. So it was a, a great sport in that way where I'd feel on top of the world and then I'd go lift heavy and it would like kind of crush me. And so just kind of pushing past that and trying to stay competitive and, and the leaderboards and all that, you know, definitely helped me gain strength. I can certainly relate to that, especially when the first time I saw CrossFit, it was on TV. It must've been the games in like 2000. 10 2009 maybe and i was like this is so cool like i need to be part of this like i should be fine but then like you realize how heavy the weights that people are actually using and you're like oh never mind (laughs) this is real weight (laughs) yeah unbelievable yeah Yeah, i think for us runners it's tough because you know we got that leg speed but we're not huge and yeah same with you i actually went to the crossfit games in like 11 down in carson and it was just that whole culture like holy crap and just like the amazingness of watching what these bodies were capable of. And, you know, it's super inspiring. You just want to be a part of it. And, And, you know, that's kind of when I think of OCR, it's kind of in terms like against CrossFit, like CrossFit, it's, it's, you know, whatever, constantly varied, like the whole definition, whatever it is. And, but but when it boils down, it's definitely skewed towards strength, right? If you're not going to be strong enough, like you're not going to be able to do well, where I feel like, OCR is almost flipped. It's the same thing. You need to have a good variety, but it's skewed toward endurance, yeah. right? So like you can't yeah. get through, you doesn't matter how strong you are it, as a CrossFit athlete, you're not going to do well if you don't have endurance. doesn't matter how much endurance you have, you won't do well in CrossFit if you don't have strength. But like the two, like the training methodology in CrossFit makes sense to me for OCR when, when it comes to blending both of the endurance and the strength and also like the transitions between like the different movements and just being able to use different energy systems when you're uh, like working at a high rate. So did you find that to be beneficial for you when you came into OCR or like, did you lean on CrossFit when you found the sport or like, how did that work? Yeah. So that was actually, it's a good point because that was one of my strong suits was just being able to transition well off the obstacle. So where mm-hmm. like, you know, some of the athletes would go through and do the monkey bars and they're just taxed, you know, and they're like taking a second. All right, regroup, then let's go. Like I was able to just like jump and go. And I still feel like I did, I've done well in the stadium series because of that ability to transition well off, you know, doing all the strength and like getting your heart rate up and then boom, you just got to run. You don't even have time to take a breath. Like that definitely CrossFit set me up well for that. And I've actually found that like I stopped, CrossFit in like 18 going into 19 and definitely felt a difference of Hmm. not going to those, you know, the the group workouts where I'm like, Oh, I got to win the workout. Like why wouldn't I win the workout? Right. Just working out on my own, you know, like I'm like, "Eh, Oh, the kids need something or something's going on. Like I just didn't have that level of intensity. And I I felt it in races where I'm like, I could feel I wasn't training in that group setting where people are pushing me and all that. But yeah, absolutely. CrossFit gives you that edge where you're transitioning just like in a more calm state. Like you, you're like, I'm fine. Okay. I'm just going to go. And you know, it doesn't feel as taxing. Right. Like, yeah. When you're doing a CrossFit workout, like we'll just use like 
Fran as an example. If you go unbroken on all of the thrusters and all of the pull-ups, but you rest a ton in between, like you won't have a good Fran time, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. And yeah. you'll see that uh, you'll see that in obstacle course racing, people waiting to do their monkey bars as they run up to it and like finishing and then waiting to run. And you'll see that in CrossFit as well. Like people like hunched over waiting to do their next movement, but that like defeats the purpose. It's like For this sure. whole thing is from the barbell to the pull-up bar or from the running to the monkey bars. Like that has to be where, where you make your money on that. Yeah. And so when you, you know, it makes sense that I do the same thing when I'm working out on my own, the intensity isn't quite to where it would be, especially in a class setting. So, but I've also found that that style of training can be almost like addicting to be in a class setting and like pushing like really hard all the time. And then it's almost detrimental to the training and what you need to be doing, which is probably better off spent running. So it's like kind of hard to figure out where to, where to balance the two. Like, what would you suggest? Like, where is the line? Like, where is too much CrossFit and where is like not enough working on those like transitions? Yeah, that's the toughest part. It's funny you bring that up because that's kind of why I stepped away. I loved being a part of the group, but like, I can't not push as hard as I can. I can't not be at the top of the leaderboard. So it kind of led to some stuff where like I tore my meniscus and, and like lifting probably too heavy for, you know, trying to still be a runner. And then I found that like the heavier, the more I would PR my snatch or my clean and jerk, the slower I was getting. So I was like, and my true love beyond anything else is like, being a runner and being able to run fast. Like that's, and I knew with Spartan race, like it's 85%, would you say run, a running sport? Yeah, at least. You know, like, yeah. I mean, yeah, of course, don't miss a spear and don't fall off the monkey bars. Like, but like our races are, you know, however long to up to now, you know, half marathon. And if you're doing all, like you have to be a good runner. So, and I feel like that slowly kind of was why I crept away from um, being a really good CrossFitter of course, I was never going to be huge and lift heavy like Lauren or, you know, Corinna, but I was good at all the other stuff. So yeah, it's, it's tough because that reason alone, the question you pose is why, like, I wanted to have a coach to kind of figure it out for me. Cause I, throughout my life, like, I, I feel like I'm constantly just like throwing shit on the wall and it kind of works for me because uh, I have a little bit of a grit with my background being in the Marine Corps and all that. So I just can kind of suck it up, but I think it's my uh, plan of attack on my training regimen isn't, isn't dialed and it isn't precise. And I definitely, there's a fine balance and I haven't found it yet. It, it's, there's no real way yet, yeah. you know, like that's why we're here like talking it out, like trying to figure out like what it is that is going to make the the biggest bang for your buck. Because I feel the same way. Like I knew, I kind of had to move away from CrossFit the same, the same way. I was like, this isn't, spending an, like 30 minutes on a snatch on my snatch technique is doing nothing for my OCR results. Right. Like, yeah. and that's just what the co- class called for that day, or that's what you have to prepare for the, the open. Like you won't, you can't do necessarily both of the things. So yeah, just trying to figure out like where, where that line is, is, is really hard. Have you, are you like, so how does that look in your training now? Are you doing CrossFit oriented things or are they mostly, you know, tilted toward running or what's that look like? So we definitely got a good setup thanks to COVID. We got a rogue bar for like pull-ups and toes the bar and all that stuff. Then we've got heavy weights and all, you know, anything you would see in like a traditional CrossFit gym. Nice. So I've been doing a lot of where, and I got an incline trainer too for Mother's Day, which was like the most amazing. That's a great Mother's Day. (laughs) Score. So a lot of transitions between like, you know, the incline, like up 20, 30% and jumping off and doing you know, anything from clean and jerks or, or snatch, or even like the handstand pushups. So just building it in, but kind of being like it, my CrossFit gym, we didn't do it. It was in a parking lot. So the, the most we would run was, it would be like a 400. So now I have a great like mile repeat loop that I can run a mile, come in, do, you know, five different exercises, get back out and run that mile. So that's kind of been like the basis. I do follow Yancey camp and he kind of just, has figured out like what the OCR athlete needs. And that's a lot of running and then a good and like well thought out approach to the strength piece that translates well to our obstacles. So I feel like that's kind of dialed in for me as well. And then I coach an outdoor class now three times a week 
that came about because of COVID. And that's been amazing. We can run on this huge soccer field and then we're coming back and doing weights and I bring the Rams out and even bring mm. the barbell out. So it's always the running piece with the strength piece. Like I can't now, like, even if I go for a run with some of my runner friends, I'll come back and do strength later. Like I always kind of just naturally want to do the strength piece of it instead of where being in the, on the Marine Corps marathon team, it was like 80 mile weeks of like running and then maybe doing like two 15 minute strength sessions. So. Right. And it's doing like, you know, single leg RDLs or something. Yeah. Like oh, clamshells. Yeah. Yeah. And so what's that class, what is that class like that you're teaching? So it was a group of like, equestrian people we have a really big horse community here and they when the gym shut down they'd all been going to orange theory and they brought their trainer out there to them and they he would charge them so much per hour per person and then once the gyms opened back up in june which they did he left but they still wanted to do this outdoor thing so then they asked if i wanted to you know come and train them i was like no i'm not really I'd taken a break from coaching. It was just too much with the four kids and then the distance learning and then doing my training. And then, and we didn't really need the money. So it was just kind of like a fun hobby for me on the side. Well, so then I started coaching a few of them. I'm like, Oh, this is awesome. And they're good with me working side by side with them and coaching with them. So it just kind of transitioned into now doing it three times a week and it's a good group and we're outside and it feels safe. And yeah, it's been a really good thing to come out of COVID. Nice. And you, you've taught, you know, you were in the yeah. coaching CrossFit and you were, were you coaching, you were doing some endurance classes as well. Like, yeah. So um, I coached regular CrossFit, but then also the CrossFit endurance. Yeah. And those are things, I mean, the endurance classes, I think they are a need in CrossFit gyms, but a lot of times, at least even like, were, were you CrossFit endurance certified? I was. Yeah. yeah. I went to that too. But even like that was still just like, do some 400s. Like it wasn't really like based off of like distance running. I, I felt mm-hmm. like yeah. um, it was very, it was very CrossFit. It's like, Hey, let's try to get the most bang for our buck. Let's perf- let's perfect the running form and then not run that much. And we should be right. So like the elements of these endurance classes, I find they're, they seem a little disjointed and what I've seen in my experience in that. So like, how would you uh, like program an effective like endurance class? Yeah. So ours was almost like, it was called CrossFit Endurance, but it was like a CrossFit light. It was for people mm. that are kind of overwhelmed with the barbell and like trying to teach a 45-year-old woman how to snatch when she's never cut. Like it's a lot. And I think that's where kind of CrossFit gets a bad name because these people are trying to do it and then they're getting injured and they're like, oh, CrossFit injures people. Well, right. let's back it off. Let's do a med ball clean. Let's kind of like go through the mo- Let's get good at an air squat and really working the basics. So I was coaching like a CrossFit light class, which was kind of awesome because trying to teach, you know, adults how to clean and jerk and all that. It's pretty like you, you need to be good at that stuff. You need to know what to look for and know the cues. And like, I, I got my CrossFit certification in a weekend, you know, I have a bathroom and ASM and all that, but like, you know, you have a lot of CrossFit coaches that don't have a huge background. So I think that probably leads to some injuries and all that, but yeah. So the class I coach was, you know, running and CrossFit light. So we would never go super heavy. A lot of endurance always had like rowing or the air assault bike or running incorporated with like a lot of body weight movements. And I think it's actually a perfect start for new CrossFitters or new people to fit- fitness. Yeah. And it, it essentially CrossFit would be an endurance workout if it wasn't for the really heavy weight. Sometimes it would Ooh. just completely slow you down. Yeah. And yeah, there, there's no need to have an incredibly heavy barbell for most of the the general public, most people, you know, like working a barbell doesn't make a ton of sense. Heating for like the games, or you're going to go do the open or like, you know, Olympic lifting meet. I think absolutely. Right. Or if like, for whatever reason, something like OCR stars next year has a barbell in it, like, okay, then train with the barbell. If like, that's something you're going to see, like, Mm -hmm. or yeah, like DecaFit ends up having like a deadlift station or something. Right. Um, Then, okay. Use that. But like, other than that, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of unnecessary. So, you had mentioned this kind of grit that has kind of been with you, your, your life in it and has helped you, you know, you mentioned, you cited your experience in the Marine Corps as kind of having that there, but you know, before we, we got on and talking, it seems like that's kind of like the person you were anyway. So is that something that you feel like you have to continue to facilitate or is there a way that you think 
people can facilitate that in their own training because there is definitely this part of obstacle course racing that is hard to like grasp. It's like, why are some people who aren't that fast and aren't that strong really good at obstacle course racing? And a lot of times it's like this grit factor, you know? Have you found that? Like, is there a way that you practice or that other people can practice this? Like to learn grit? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this last night because I was thinking I should be coaching my kids' basketball team right now. And I was thinking about, you know, how some kids come with hustle. They come with this heart. Like they're diving on the ball on the floor. They're, they're scraping up their knees like they care. And then other kids are just like could give two craps to be there. And their parents are just sign them up to do it. And, you know, you're trying to like teach this team of like, there were some kids I wanted to be like, okay, watch, watch him. Like you got to want to dive on the ball. You got to want, you know, that, that factor of just like wanting it. And I feel like with our racing, yeah, there's people showing up cause it's like a group and they're doing it for fun together. And, and, you know, they get through, I think it's really once they get a taste of it and do it, they're like, okay, I, I see why that feels good. I, I see why it's fun to like want to dive under the dunk wall or get muddy and, all those things. I think, I, I think grit is a part of who you are, but it, it's not really tapped into yet by the majority of our population. And once you kind of get a taste of it, it kind of feels good. And mm-hmm. then you kind of build from there. So then you have these, you know, Spartan racers who all of a sudden now they're signing up for the trifecta. Now they're flying to races all over the place. Like, you know, you talk about like the pro team flying everywhere. There's like a lot of just, you know, everyday racers that are running age group or running open that are flying all over the country. Yeah. You know, they've gotten that taste of it and they love it and they want more of it. And I think, you know, hopefully we can survive this pandemic enough to like get our races back up and running because people love it. So Yeah. And like before when there wasn't as much adversity is like something that people look forward to is getting muddy. Maybe now with the adversity that we've been handed, people are like, all right, I'm good on the mud for, for a little while. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. But is it something to think about with your training? Do you, do you like do things that are intentionally, intentionally just like, like hard that are going to test your grit that might be outside of the box of like, you know, interval training or just like strength training stuff? Or is it that when it comes time to racing, like, you know, it's going to be there. So you can always kind of rely on it. Yeah, I think a little bit of both. So we have a pool in our backyard and it gets down in the 50s. It's just cold. You know, it's not like Tahoe cold, but it's super uncomfortable. You're losing your breath getting in. So I'll sit in that like 10 minutes a day and just force myself. The cold shower thing, just like, you know, in our everyday comfortable lives where we're at now in modern society, like there's not a lot of opportunity to get grit and get gritty and to put yourself in uncomfortable positions. But I think that's a really good one for me. And I don't have to like deal with like getting bags of ice and all like, you know, that's kind of a pain in the butt, but it, it definitely gets me that uncomfortable place. Those cold showers, you like stare at the water, like for it's like, all right, it's going to be okay. Yeah. It'll be all right. You just have to ride it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ride it out like anything else. And then, you know, like we go on family hikes and my five-year-old daughter's like over it after a 10th of a mile. So just like getting her on my back and like, you know, keep it up there maybe longer than I should let her, but I'm like, oh, this is good. Like make it hard for a little bit and then set her down and make her walk a little bit. So I mean, opportunities like that and just, you know, try not to be, my husband's like a super hard worker. We'll go camping and he's doing all the hard stuff and I'm just doing like all the mom stuff. And I'm like, all right, let's get dirty a little bit. Let's help him do all the traditional, you know, that stuff. So, you know, there's, there's opportunities for it here and there, but you know, it's definitely something where I get in a race and I just, I don't know. I think, I think there is a piece, like you mentioned, the Marine Corps, where me joining the military was like not something organic at first. I went to a very liberal college. Like there was very few people that joined the military out of our college. But for me joining, like I knew, I mean, there was like 2% of our, you know, population was, was female. And so I knew like in a way, I'd have a lot to prove. And I had the fitness piece to like kind of keep me up. But I mean, I got eaten alive on many occasions and you stand out big time as a female. So I feel like I kind of had to figure out that grit piece where like suck it up. Don't flag yourself. 
don't be, you know, just an, another one to like fall into that attrition because you're a girl and, you know, I'd never want to say, oh, there's, there's, there's a difference between male and female, especially in combat and especially, you know, serving in the military. And, you know, so I definitely, there are moments where I'm like, you just keep your mouth shut and suck it up. And so I think that actually helped me later on in these races where I'm like, all right, just keep your head down and move. Like, you don't have a choice. Yeah. And that kind of comes back to the question of like being able to facilitate that grit. Like, as you came out of undergrad, did you, do you feel, and after you came out of uh, the Marines, did you feel like your grit level was at a whole different place? Or did you go in thinking like, oh, I'm going to be able to be okay to get through this? Or were there times where you did have to really like have those conversations with yourself and be like, is this something I'm capable or willing to do? Yeah, I think a little bit of all of that. I think there were like, we had to run through an obstacle course called the endurance course in Quantico, Virginia. It was like a 10 K six miles worth of running, carrying a weapon, carrying, you know, full combat gear. Like here I am like tiny little 22 year old Faye trying to, you know, prove myself, but also just like not fail. And it was hard and uncomfortable. And many times like a question, like, why did I join it? I never felt like I really belonged. And now I'm in charge of all these men who have to listen to, you know, what I tell them to do. And yeah, you definitely have to tap into like grit that you didn't know that was there. And then it kind of just becomes who you are and Mm -hmm. not like the rest of my life I spent, you know, holding my chest up and like, you know, needing people to follow me because I was was a Marine Corps officer, big deal. It just, it just kind of becomes who you are. And it's helped me in motherhood, (laughs) you know, in racing and in coaching and, and all those things. Hmm. And so you can't, you did full four years, right. Of undergrad came mm-hmm. out with a degree. Why did you end up coming, going back into the military? So I was commissioned as an officer. So the great thing about having a degree and then joining is like, you can choose, you can go enlisted route or you can be commissioned as a, as an officer. And I didn't know what I wanted to do here. I spent like hundreds of thousands of dollars of my parents' money, some on scholarship, but not clearly not enough. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I knew that joining the military, like you're automatically going to be put in these leadership positions and challenged from the start, you know, from day one at officer candidate school, like you're, you, you're in charge of your little squad. And then that transitions to being, you know, you be, you're put in these billet positions and you just have to step it up and figure it out. And I had like zero leadership experience up to that point. I was the captain of my basketball team my senior year, but I mean, what does that really require? Right. Um, <laughs> So I just, I needed like life experience. I needed to travel. I needed to kind of be put in these uncomfortable positions and kind of claw my way out to figure out who I was and what I wanted. And, you know, it, it did all that for me. Fortunately, you know, I got to serve overseas. And like I said, like I showed up to my first platoon and like, I'm in charge of 45 men, three women, like, Oh, I got to figure this shit out and I got to act like I'm competent and I need to have a command presence about myself. And that's not something, especially for today's 23 year olds, like it's not natural. And so when you're forced to do it, like you got to figure it out quick. And that helped me with that. I had this flash just come through my brain as like, like just arriving and seeing, I didn't even realize 40 some other people and just being like, okay, lead them. (laughs) It's hard to lead like a group of like three. It's hard to lead anybody. It's not like something that you can just do. You, like you said, like, especially as a 22 year old, you don't know how to do anything. No. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, Um, I mean, so for any young person that's like lost right now, or it's a great experience. Not, I mean, after college, before college, serve your country, serve something bigger than you. I mean, these contracts are as short as three and a half years, like do it and then figure out maybe who you are and like push your body, you know, physically and mentally. And I don't know, it was a great experience for me. Yeah. And sometimes I think back and I just wish that that was something that I had considered because I feel like mm-hmm. I did miss out on a lot of experience that way and, and just really help facilitating that kind of growth. But, you know, and you're looking back, it can look back several years later and you could think, you know, three and a half years is really not much time. Mm-hmm. But when you're 22 or when you're 18, 
Like, oh my <laughs> well, God. I have a feeling you're a little bit more squared away than the, the average 22-year-old, Rich. But I, still, like when you're like there, you're like, that seems like a lot of time. No, it does. <laughs> right. And it seemed like forever. And now it's just like we know as adults, like it's just a blink. Right. So. Exactly. So like when you, in hindsight, it seems like, oh, it's definitely something that I should have been. What yeah. was that decision like? Do you remember like when you were like, like even like the option, because that's something I project like after when I was 22, I was kind of the same, but I was like, I kind of had an idea, but I really wasn't necessarily like set up for anything. And that would have been not like a viable option for me, but I didn't even consider it. But I could imagine what it would be like to balance those options. What was it like facing that and like making that call? Well, fortunately, I was pretty much an idiot and went into it like totally blind and clueless. So I'm like, ah, I'm going to be a lieutenant in the Marine Corps. Like, like what's the big deal? Um, and it wasn't really until like OCS officer candidate school in Quantico, Virginia, where you have like very large senior enlisted Marines yelling at you. And it, that's when it became very real. Like, what in the hell have I gotten myself into? And, you know, I'm five foot one. I was tiny back then. And they would say things to me like, does your, does your mother know you're here? Um, you know, <laughs> totally razzing me. So I think about halfway through, I was like, okay, I think this is something I, I want to be a part of. And like I kind of alluded to before, just like serving something bigger than you really goes a long way. So I love that piece of it. And then, so I actually went through OCS the summer between my junior and senior year, and they kind of structure it in a way, well, the recruiters, the sales people, you can go through the OCS, the 10 weeks, you don't have to accept your commission. So for me, I was like, well, I don't, usually I was like a coach at a basketball camp during the summers. I'm like this, I, you got like sergeant's pay for 10 weeks. They, they fly you out to Virginia and then you don't have to accept it if it's not for you. Hmm. Well, I decided it was for me. And that's kind of where the decision was made from there. So it was sort of gradual, but also like just went into it with an open mind and that I was kind of just clueless to what I was getting myself into. And to put that into perspective, we started out with 63 women. We graduated 21. So I think there were a lot of other women with the same, like, oh, I'll just go do this. And fortunately, like I was athletic and I could keep, and that's a huge part of it. And they really praise like with my gymnastics background to max their PFT, the PFT is max pull-ups, max sit-ups and max run time for a three mile run. And at the time I could get 20 pull-ups and the women were only required to do like a flex arming. So they just thought that was like, I just blew their minds with that. Sit-ups was fine. And then I was running like high 16s for my three mile at the time on the very flat black top men screaming at you. So you definitely like your speed. You were going. (laughs) going. Um, And so that was like, that helped. Like, even though I was like kind of this mousy little quiet, like, oh, well, she's a, she can be a great Marine because she's physical. And so that helped me a lot. But anyway, the attrition rate was big. And yeah, so that just, I think the decision point really came later. Yeah. I'd gotten myself into. I didn't realize there was that, that ability to kind of like see it out. Once they saw that you were physically capable, were they, did you feel like they kind of want like, yeah, brought you in? Oh, hundred percent. Got more respect. And even like, showing up to my first platoon and still not having any real true leadership experience. And the fact that that, that time I was able to do 30 dead hangs. And so that was like this little female Lieutenant shows up and she's busting out these pulp. They're like, uh, shit. So that garnered respect from the start and then had some amazing senior enlisted Marines who like helped mentor me and just, you would put like, kind of like put me in positions like, Hey, this is what you need to be telling them. This is what you need to be saying right now. This is how, this is how you lead. So it's mm-hmm. kind of this unique relationship to where these senior enlisted Marines really mentor the young second Lieutenant and kind of get them to where they need to be, you know, cause there are these salty dogs that have been in, in the fleet Marine force for 20 years. So they helped me for sure. So it's just like kind of a gradual, you know, got me to where I was as far as a leader. And then, yeah, the physical piece was big as far as, you know, at least having some ground to stand on. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like something that you do hold very close and that you would really encourage. And now with you, you know, you have four kids, Mm -hmm. right? Is this, do you take those principles that you had and, and kind of going back on the grit thing, 
do you think about facilitating these type of leadership qualities or this type of toughness in terms of your parenting or like seeing how your kids are being raised or growing up? Like, do you think about that a lot or is that something yeah. that is kind of naturally happening? Yeah, for sure. I, I I will say I don't have the same response of respect for my kids that I had for my Marine. <laughs> whatever mom. Um, but I definitely like try and when they're, you know, in a good place and then we're having some good teaching moments, calling on some of my experiences from the past, you know, like I, I pay to have someone personal train my kids because they don't care what mom says and I can yell them till my face right. is blue and it's just different. But yeah, it translates so much into parenthood and just like on the hardest days, because there've been hard days being, especially home. Like I, I have no business teaching or distance learning. Like I'm not a homeschool mom and this is just not working. If anyone wants to like write a letter to Congress, like this isn't, this homeschool thing is not working for us. Like we're considering holding back a few of our kids and um, we have good days and not so good days. So I just, Parenting's hard. <laughs> so I, and I do, I think back on like the shittiest days when we, when we were in Iraq and, you know, things were not going great and we're getting shot. Like there's always that like, all right, today is not that day. That was a hard day. This, you know, you think you're in the hardest day at the time, but like you can kind of call on these experiences. Like it's not that hard or thinking about people who have it a lot harder. Like we've been fine financially. My husband sells his job and all that. Like, there's people that are hurting right now. So you kind of like call on those things. And so calling back on that experience where like, you know, there's good days, and there's bad days. Some days are, are really not that good. And, you know, now is a prime example of that, where there are really poor times. You mentioned people having it being in much worse, worse off than, than any other person potentially, you know, it's always a worst case scenario. Have you been able to use like, how are you explaining that to your kids who are having like such a hard time with this? I think they recognize it. My oldest is in seventh grade, 12. You know, their dad was in combat, saw a lot worse than I did. At the time, females really weren't, we were more like a service support entity than like he was a recon Marine. So he was like knocking down doors and, and all that. So, you know, they, they kind of have an idea of what, we went through and you know that there have been some super hard days but it's just hard for a kid to really grasp like their world like when their ipad isn't charged like that's like that's it for them like that's a hard day um but there's like you know we try to find teaching moments where we're talking a little bit about maybe some other day we went through or you know the kids have done spartan races and they've seen you know me where it's just like an ugly beast battle and i you know, at the end of the race and they know that we push ourselves and do hard things. So I think they can kind of grasp that, you know, in a way, but they're just kids. And I think, you know, it's hard for them to really, you know, grab a hold of like some of these lessons. Mm -hmm. um, but I think they, they, they think it's pretty cool. Like, Oh, Hey, you know, like I hear that, you know, tone of pride when they talk about their mom's a Spartan racer and their dad was a recon Marine. And they think that's pretty cool. But I guess we'll see with time, you know, as they get into their teenage years and, you know, that's when the real lessons take hold. I know. It has to be, that has to be just, to, we have no idea what's going to happen with this generation yeah. of kids, like how that, how much is going to affect them. It's going to be unprecedented, right? They're going to pave the way for how they're going to respond and what they're going to be like. Right. And it's just going to be like kind of waiting and seeing, I guess. I know. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. And so with having four kids, like the and being able to compete at such a high level, like obvious, the, the obvious thing that pops into my head, I'm sure not the only one is like, how do you do it with all, with like your time? Like how yeah. are you able to manage your time to compete at any level, let alone at a really high level? That's a good question. And it kind of leads also to like, okay, at what point am I going to be shutting this down? Like I'm 43 and I was even questioning, I'd originally signed up for OCR stars to do the master's level. I'm just kind of like, I just feel like I'm a little bit tired. And that, you know, yeah, but then you, you, you beat everybody in the mile by like a minute. <laughs> but I think I've got a couple good years left in me. So we'll see. But as far as like time, like I just incorporate them into it. So now with the good outdoor gym set up, like that's when I have scout my scouts, my five-year-old, I'll have them outside running their bikes around the cul-de-sac. So making them a part of it or just like mm. super early alarm clock that goes off at 445, getting it done early. I've got... An understanding husband that 
gets to go on a couple hunts a year and he gets to go back country skate and he gets to do his thing. I get to do my thing. Like you just make it work. Like it's not ideal sometimes, but you know, you just sort of take turns and then we're just a super active family too. So like we're all doing it together. We're going on hikes or we're skiing or, you know, whatever it might be, but you know, it's not ideal. And some days my training suffers because, you know, I'm getting interrupted or whatever it is, but you know, there's always a chance to make up for it. Like, all right, I'm going to do it tomorrow then, and then go hard then. And you can always find an hour to, you know, you hear a lot of those excuses. Well, I just don't have time or I have kids. And if you want it bad enough, like you just kind of have to make it work and, and you do. And, and along those lines, is there a reminder that you have? Is there something that you constantly have to be telling yourself? Because I'm sure some days are harder than others, especially now where the kids are always home. Right. Um, so yeah, like how do you, do you have something there that pulls you to, to continue to train or race when um, you might not want to? Well, so definitely for, you know, this year, we don't have like already the, my big race in January is canceled. And then I was going to go to Arizona in February. That's canceled. Oh, they canceled that? Yeah, they did cancel Arizona. The Vegas Zona one, which is in March, is still on. Okay. Um, Jacksonville in February is still on because Florida, Florida baby, California coming through because Florida. <laughs> um, and for me, like I think you had actually, I'd listened to a podcast recently that you mentioned, like just kind of always being at the ready, and that was kind of like how we were in the military. Like you didn't know when you're going to deploy. <sighs> you were constantly just training. Like you just had to be, is at that readiness level. And I feel like I'm kind of always at that just because it's what I love to do. And I mean, we, we could probably spend an entire other podcast talking about like some hard times I went through losing a sister and then another sister and then my mom and like my, my fitness has sort of become like where pain can, can't touch me. Like my, like the dark stuff, like, I think a lot of people might use it as an escape and maybe too much at times for me, but it's actually helped me train in a weird, you know, weird way. So that piece is, you know, my mom was like the person that taught me to run and, and, you know, she, she passed away at 62 from melanoma skin cancer. And so every time I run, I think of her, every time I race, I remember her dragging us to races as kids and, you know, so that piece is always there for me too. And then, you know, another piece, this might be coming, getting off the tangent of, of your question, but having served in the military and you coming home from Iraq without all the Marines that you deployed with, like, you know, or, or guys coming back with one leg or having their, their face blown, like you realize like life's pretty precious. Like, what we do and like having the ability to wake up every day and like, um, stepping out of bed with two feet and like nothing hurts today. Like, Oh, and I get to like breathe, you know, it's kind of cliche, but also like we get to do this shit. Like it's yeah. kind of amazing. And yeah. Take advantage of it. Being able to reframe that. Yeah. I, I think I've, I've heard, I've seen you mention that like switching, like I have to, to, I get to, and just that reframing Ooh. of those of that is just, it is really powerful when you, when you think Completely. of it like that. Yeah. It's basic, but like it, very meaningful. Absolutely. And in terms of like, you know, mentioning just kind of using it as an escape and absolutely like, yeah, like there's there, that's what a lot of us are doing, like stress reliever, mm-hmm. or it is just a time where, yeah, you can revisit these, these warm feelings that you've had. And it's just like, it's just a happier place. Mm-hmm. Do, do you then find that that helps translate to, other parts outside of your life? Like once you're done and you're, you're able to kind of escape for a little bit when you come back, are you in a better spot or is it strictly for the escape? No. Yeah. It kind of like bleeds into everything. Right. So yeah, we don't get to race, but we still get to run. And then you get back from that run and like all of a sudden I'm a happier, better mom and a better mood. And I can kind of respond better to the stress. And I mean, kind of, like I said, bleeds into everything. So yeah. Yeah. And that's another reason, right? Like it's not, it doesn't necessarily have to be like an escape or whatever or something on your own. Like it bleeds into everything. Yeah. And and, you know, for me, like I don't not drink, but I don't drink a ton. And you know, I don't have like this thing that I'm doing where I'm, you know, 
running and fitness and getting a good workout in the gym. That's like kind of my equilibrium, like my happy place. And then I don't know, I feel like I can function better as, as a mom and as a person and as a friend and all those things. So it helps. Mm. And then along kind of similar lines, you'd mentioned even just signing up for the OCR stars in the age group and just having those thoughts like, ah, you know, maybe I don't need to push that hard. Maybe I'll be here. When you think about those things, or, you know, you mentioned your age being 43 and now like, when is it going to be time to back off? Like, you think about that a lot and like, what keeps you from making either decision with that? Yeah. So it's, you know, I've missed racing, but it's been kind of a good time to reflect on like, okay, what, so what am I doing? Like, I've kind of experienced some injuries. I've got a dislocated toe right now and I had kind of a knee scare that ended up being fine, but I can tell like things are starting to break down more and more with time. And as I get deeper into my forties, so I feel like, I mean, what more, uh, yeah, I would love to keep standing on the podium. I love that feeling and all of that, but at some point, like me racing a ton and traveling, like it takes away from family. Yeah. We have good balance and all that, but like, like they're like when's mommy gonna be home and you know like I'm missing out on some pretty cool stuff with them when I do travel so you know I just I feel like I might just ride out this next year see what happens with the pro team get to as many races as I can and then maybe start dialing it back but I've also said that like every year for the last five right every year is the last year (laughs) um but it's true and like we'll just kind of see and I need to like really kind of get a grip on like is my identity defined by where I'm standing on that podium or is it defined by like how good of a mom I am? And my whole life has been driven by podiums, like from gymnastics. Like I still don't even, I was second place for the state of Washington in eighth grade. And I don't even view that second place. Like I only talk about the time that I won state when I was like 11 at some other lowly level, but it's, it's that way that we define ourselves as athletes. Like I still do it. And I really need to make, tap into some therapy or figure out like, okay, there's other ways to define me. I'm a good wife. I'm a good friend. I'm a good mom. Like I don't need a podium to like feel good about what I'm doing. So, Hmm. and I think at some point, like my body's just going to be like, you're done. Right. It's like, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. (laughs) Something else makes something else. Right. But yeah, like, have you, have you felt a different, like a change in that without races this year? Like, have you like, or is it because that it's not, that we don't have the option to race or like yeah. we felt that identity thing with the, a little with bit us. less because there's no FOMO. Like usually I'd be like, Oh, like I didn't go to the Montana race and you know, so we don't have that so much. So I feel like this is kind of a good gradual, like pulling off the bandaid and we'll just kind of see how the rest of it plays out. I'm going to definitely get to the, like what races I can and see how I do. And, you know, I look at someone like Heather Galnick, who's 50 and she's still going and hitting it and racing elite. But I think it'd be kind of fun to tap into that master's field and, and see how that goes too. And still like have energy to be like a, a decent mom, but not like kill myself chasing after 28 and 29 year olds who don't have kids. And right. know, so. and your age group is the most competitive age group. Like that's my heart. So yeah. <laughs> it'd be a good thing to go after for sure. They'd be like, are you serious? Faye's coming in now. <laughs> it's already stacked. Yeah. So what are some of the goals you got this year? If, if um, like things happen, yeah. <laughs> so, so everything happens. Right. I, I do want to do the, the U S national race series. If it's on, see how that looks and then get to worlds. I'm sorry. Back it up. I, I don't want to race if it's in Doha or in Abu Dhabi. It's probably weird, but I'd be good with like doing the Tahoe thing. If that's like the, you know, the championship for the national race series. I just don't like me. Like I've been over there. I don't want to be that far from my kids. I don't know. I'm not going to go if that's what's happening, which is, you know, we'll see how that plays out, but definitely want to do as many races as I can. I would love to at some point do an ultra just to do an ultra, not an ultra, like a Spartan ultra. But other than that, I I might throw in a couple of just straight trail races, but I just, I don't know what 2021 is going to look like. Like I'm not hopeful because it always already feels like canceling is happening and we'll just see how it plays out. I know. I was thinking about that the other day. It's like if 2021 turns out like 2020 again, like I don't yeah. even know. What are we going to do? Right. Um, I love that if OCR stars comes back, I might get, give that another go. Maybe just be smarter about how I attack those workouts. I feel like, you know, I knew toes to bar were coming, but I didn't really work them that much. Cause I relied on, Oh, I used to be good on toes to bar and, 
you know, like, I, I don't know. I just feel like there's some good fine tuning I could do to do better at that competition. And yeah. I did the same thing. I was like, ah, I have a cross background. I'll be fine. Toes of bar aren't yeah. that hard. And then they were really hard. <laughs> yeah. And it was like the movement that like, you know, you had, yeah, just the way it was structured. You had to be good at them. It was the only thing. It might as well have been a hundred toes to bar for time. That could have been the whole world. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. And you're on team ultra red, ultra, ultra red. Yeah, the red team. So same as like Alyssa's on. It's basically like the the JV version of being sponsored by Ultra. But I'm not complaining. I love the shoes, and it's a good brand to represent. It's helped uh, my feet. I was wearing BJ's before, which I loved, but this was like a good transition shoe for me. And then, yeah, Manuka Sports, another one based out of London, but now they're going to be available to order on Amazon Prime. So it's oh, like. Sweet. Manuka honey gel base. Well, it's it's like an energy gel. Oh. Um, And Ian Hosick was was taken for a while, and then Ashley Heller. You might see posts from from them on it, but it's it's like Manuka honey, basically. Hmm. So, but yeah. What are what are your favorite ultras for trail for for OCR in particular? What are the best ultra ones? Because I'm always I'm always on the hunt for for something. Yeah, so I love the Lone Pines. They're kind of like the old standby. And then they have the King Mountains, which they made a Spartan shoe out of. They have like mm-hmm. the, the Velcro strap. Those are great. Torrens I love. You can't, you really can't go wrong. And for All me, with that weird uh, foot thing I have going on, just that wide room in the toe is kind of a big factor for me. So if you're more narrow, that I don't know. They're not so good. Just try them all. Yeah, it's, there's definitely, it's definitely a certain feel. Like if you don't, if you like to be kind of closed in, these are the opposite of that. But I do have the King Mountains, and they're they're sweet. But they're yeah, they're really they got that plate in them, which I like because I can just like run over everything and not feel like I'm gonna. I don't like feeling much at the bottom. I like that. No, same. Well, cool, Faye. Well, I do appreciate you taking time to chat with me today. I had an awesome convo. Where can people find you? So I'm on Instagram, Faye Mocr. I'm on Facebook a little bit, Faye Morgan. But yeah, just mostly Instagram and. I try to keep it organic and just kind of do talk a little bit about like training and fitness stuff, but there's a lot of just like shit show family stuff on there too with my family and kind of showcasing our life. So yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It's good. It's definitely a good follow. It's authentic. You know, you can tell that it is to you, which is, which is nice on Instagram because it's not typically how it's like. So I appreciate that. Um, Cool. Well, I'll hit stop here, but we'll stay on the same screen, but we'll be signing off then. All right. All right. That was awesome. Again, I love that conversation. Faye has a wealth of knowledge and I'm glad she was willing to share. And thank you again for checking in on the Reinforced Running Podcast. Again, Mondays will be Reinforced Running Podcast. Thursdays will be Torque Talks. A lot of fun, exciting things heading into 2021. Also, it's January coming up. So if you're gearing up for a dry January, you should stock yourself up with Athletic Brews. These are an awesome tool for stretches like this where you don't want to be drinking as much or if you want to challenge yourself to see what it feels like to go alcohol-free for an extended period. Athletic Brews, they're delicious. They really make you feel like you're participating in the social aspect of drinking. And if you enjoy any type of craft beer, these will not let you down, I promise. And you can get 20% off your first order by using the code RICHR20. So that's 20% off your first order with code richr 20. So hope you get to check that out and enjoy your dry January and we'll talk to you soon.